Okay, so I feel that God has been giving me signs all day. All day God has been giving me signs. He usually always is. But lately, I feel like my heart my heart has been reaching out to God more heavily cuz I feel that I'm I'm heavily depending on him right now. I haven't been fighting as hard as I usually do. I've been trying to allow myself to let go and let God, if that is possible in this situation, because throughout this entire experience, letting go and letting God has taken on a different meaning. Letting go means letting go of everything that's keeping you from him. And letting God means, you know, absolutely full undivided attention to him do everything that he says to do everything your possible everything your power everything possible to be guided in whatever direction he's leading you in and hear be allow yourself to hear his voice god is so understanding he is not lenient nor is he nor does he tolerate anything He's intolerable, but he's understanding and he's merciful and he's gracious. So when I'm reaching out to God, I understand that a lot of the suffering that I'm going through is because of what I lack. Not that I lack anything with him, but just the things that I'm not doing that I know I should be doing. I'm not 100% perfect. I'm not up doing every single thing that I'm capable of doing. And that being said is that, you know, God has shown me that I'm capable of so much more than I know. And if I just allow myself to be guided in whatever direction he's leading me in, I could be shown the power that is inside of me. He'll pull it out of me. And I've been slacking. I've just been, you know, down for a while because... I felt as if I was dying. My body felt as if it was failing me. And I felt as if God kept moving the finish line. And I just felt like I couldn't handle it anymore. Like I couldn't do it. And God spoke about this prophecy. He said to me, you're going to have to fight this demon witch. And you're going to be winning for a very, you're going to be winning for a while and then for a short time you're going to start losing it's going to be a really good fight but ultimately you win for a short while you're going to start losing and then you're going to believe you're going to believe that you are dying you're going to feel as if you're going to die But you're going to get back up and you're going to do it. And that's going to be an even shorter time than when you were losing. And you're going to free millions of people in the process from her wicked, cruel rule. This demon which does not have any real power, there's a false sense of it. Though she controls these people with her, I believe, lies and deception. They believe that she's powerful, but she doesn't have real power. That's what God said. But he has placed real power inside of me. And I will defeat her. But the fact of the matter is I have to get up and do it. I've been wondering what this process of me dying or feeling like as if I'm going to die looks like. What is it going to take for me to get back up again if that is what I'm going through right now? Or has that prophecy already been fulfilled in my life? Because this this has happened with my sister On the day of the deliverance, I was fighting. And for a while, I was winning. But I fell, and I felt as if I was dying. And I fell face first, and I couldn't get up. And Jesus pulled me up. He jumped in my body. He pulled me up. I know he did it because I didn't have the power. I didn't have the energy. I didn't have it. I felt as if I truly died there, right there at that moment. Jesus pulled me up. He held me up. 
and it was his power. I felt it. I, I, I just didn't have the energy to hold my body up. Jesus held my body up. I saw the holes in my hands from Jesus. I heard Jesus' voice. I saw the light pour out of my body like they explained the light that poured out of Mark, that poured out of Michael's body when he burned Satan to the ground. I saw Satan be burned to the ground. I heard God's voice. He told me not to say nothing but to say that I'm a chosen vessel and that's it. This same thing was demonstrated that day. That very prophecy, it seems almost identical to that. And then when I got up, I heard the prophecy has been fulfilled. I heard God say, I will never leave you. But there were so many other voices pretending to be Jesus. When God finally said, I'll never leave you, that was the only thing he had said to me. So it was confusing. You know, when he spoke over me, he didn't speak directly to me. He spoke to Satan. Satan said, no, she didn't do it perfectly. Why are you helping her? God said, she will. No, Jesus said, no, no. I don't know if that was Jesus because this individual that said she will, I know she will. It felt as if it was Jesus, but at the same time, as I said, the only time I heard God speak, he said, I will never leave you. This individual that I believe was, you know, at the time Jesus said something to Pac. And it just don't sound like Jesus. You know, this Pac said something like, I wouldn't have chose. I would have chose this one and all those stuff. This individual, he sort of agreed somewhat to, to what Pac was saying, but he said, Pac, you're jealous. That's all he said. And I said, that's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. I mean, it's not that this individual is wrong for their opinion. And at least they did stand up for me in a certain way or form. But Jesus wouldn't have, you know, Jesus would have said that. I don't think, I don't want to say what Jesus would have done. That's what I'll say. But I just don't think it was Jesus. In retrospect, looking back. I don't believe that that was Jesus. And then I heard this individual say, you don't love her like I love her. And they didn't expect me to hear them. And I was so caught up in like what just happened. My knees were bleeding and I was just trying to like move my limbs. I felt like they were stuck like stone into the praying position. And I was so... Like, it was, everything was so heavy. Voices, I kept hearing all these different voices. Everybody was talking about what was going on. Like, so much is going on. I'm trying to grasp that move of God that just happened in my life. And when I heard that, it's almost as if I looked back at someone. As if they were looking at me. And the second that I caught them saying that, I felt them blush. And I said, you know, now would Jesus have felt as if, you know, oh my gosh, you caught me. No, you know, that's a form of lying. Jesus does not lie. He doesn't hide things. You know, even though you could compare that to in a way when Jesus it's not necessarily lying, but he just doesn't tell you the, all the details all at once. Because he wants you to see for yourself or there's just going to come a time when you'll get a better understanding on it when it's time for you to have that information. Or if he told you right now you panic, you run the opposite direction, he wouldn't be able to get you to the journey through the path and to the destination that you'll need to be at. When it's time for you to truly or fully understand the full story behind it. He's not lying to you. He's protecting you. But even in the Bible, it says that Jesus is known to tell his friends the full story, everything. God may not tell you everything because God, Jesus is saying yesterday, today, and forever. He is just like his father. 
God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I will tell you, and experiencing both of them, the differences in the attitude is God. He will tell you everything right now because he knows he's God. And he'll say, why do I have to hide anything? He wouldn't say why. He says, I don't have to hide anything or sugarcoat anything to you. I'm God. What are you going to do about it? This is what it is, whether you like it or not. That's God. Jesus, he tells you information. He shows up. He will provide answers in a way that you can handle them because he's more understanding of the temptations that you face, of Satan, the lies, and the deception. He understands that's light because he was tempted. So he's more careful with your feelings. God, he doesn't feel as if he should have to be because he understands you. But God does understand why you don't do what he says when he says to do it the first time around. Jesus understands the mistakes that we made. That's why he gave Jesus to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. That is why Jesus is the mediator between God and man. It's his job. So, well, it's who he is. I won't say it's his job. It's who he is. So, These were aspects I was considering when I said, now would Jesus, you know, keep that from me? That feeling of, like, you know, interest, romantic interest. Would Jesus do that? And I I just told myself, I'm not going to say that he is. I'm not going to say that he isn't. I'm just not going to assume that I know everything after everything that's been exposed to me. I've seen so much. And it's not that I want to make excuses for anyone or keep hiding anybody. It's just that, you know, I also have to give myself credit for all the temptation I was facing and the different deception and lies of Satan that I was battling and have been battling, still am battling pertaining to this situation. You know, it feels as if it's so obvious. Don't you know? Like, that's somebody else. That's that's a person. That's somebody who is, you've seen, who you know is there. That's somebody. That's not Jesus. You know, Jesus is someone. Well, he can't be somebody. He had a body. But, you know, he has a body, actually. But that was a man who can lie. That's what I would say. Maybe he hasn't technically lied or necessarily lied, but that, that was not... I don't want to I don't want to define that. I'm just going to say that this individual I feel show imperfect emotion. Imperfect emotion because it's as if they were hiding things from me. They didn't want me to know how they felt about me. They didn't want me to know what part they were playing for me. Playing in this situation. They didn't want me to know. And I just don't feel that Jesus hides things from me. But I can't, as I said, I cannot speak for fully all these different things. Because the fact of the matter is Jesus first showed up to be white. He showed up to me white. God showed up as himself black. Always never had showed up as anything else. Unless, of course, he he just didn't show himself at all. Later on, Jesus showed up to me as black. I asked Jesus, Jesus, why did you show up to me as white? Jesus said, well, you know now that it was a time. It was perfect timing. It was a better understanding that you needed to come to, and it was a perfect timing and experience where this was all going to be revealed to you. You know that now. He pretty much showed, he pretty much brought me to that understanding. He didn't have to say it, but he 
I feel as if he said, you know, I showed up what was more comfortable for you, what you were comfortable at seeing me as. Oftentimes I will do that. I will show up I will show up as what people are comfortable at seeing me as because it makes them feel more comfortable. Jesus looks like every man to have ever existed. He's beautiful, he's gold, he's a lion, he's a lamb. He's, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, the dove descending from, you know, heaven. He is God who showed up as black, you know. He's everything. He's you when you look in the mirror in your face. So he would not be lying by showing showing up as white at first in order to make me feel comfortable. It's not a lie, it's not a half truth. So could that be compared to when he wasn't it feels as if he wasn't wanting as if he was he didn't want me to know that these romantic feelings, you know, when he blushed and he didn't want me to know the extent or the full meaning behind when he said, you don't love her like I love her. Because when I first heard Jesus say, you don't love her like I love her, if that was Jesus, the way I felt about it was, you know, that's Jesus. Nobody will ever love you like Jesus loves you. So if he says that, I understand. You don't love her like I love her. And it was just proven, like, everything that he had just done in order to cleanse me of demons and free my sister. And the power he poured inside of me in order to defeat Satan despite all the many mistakes I made and how much I deserved to suffer. Him pretty much being crucified all over again for me in each and every single last one of us, each through each and every single last temptation and sin that we fall into on a daily that's what he meant by you don't love her like I love her. That's why that's how I felt, but when I wasn't paying attention, it hit me for a second. And I looked at Jesus and it's like he looked back like you caught that. I felt it. It was a split second. It was like romantic interest. Like I'm so in love with her. And I didn't feel like that was Jesus. I just didn't feel like it was Jesus. Because, you know, I'm like, no, no, that's blasphemous. You know, oftentimes you'll see Satan trying, you know, pervert the ways of the Lord. Oftentimes we, as as people, as humans, we cannot separate, you know, romantic love from sexual love or things of that nature of magnitude. So Jesus can romantically love you, kiss you on the face, want to be your first boyfriend or your first husband or your first sexual encounter. And it still not be perverted in a way where he's not still your father. He's not still your brother. He's not still your Lord and Savior. And he is not still 100% pure and free of sin. We cannot sometimes grasp grasp that with our mind because we have been so perverted here on earth through our sin, our temptation, with our imperfect ways. And Jesus kissed Judas on the mouth. He kissed Peter on the mouth. He kissed his mother, his brother, his father, his sister. He kissed them on the mouth. He kissed everybody on the mouth. It was not how we feel things are to be considered when you kiss on the mouth nowadays. If a man kiss a man on the mouth today, you're going to call him gay. If a woman kiss a woman on the mouth, you're going to call them gay. If a man kisses his sister on the mouth, it's going to be suspected. If he kisses his father on the mouth, it's going to be suspected by some. If he kisses his mother on the mouth, it's going to be suspected by some. And with Jesus, you have to understand no matter where he kiss you, it is absolutely pure, absolutely unperverted. 
There's absolutely no sin or temptation of the devil or lies or deception involved. And that's something that we cannot separate in our minds. I don't want to speak for everyone, but uh, but some of us, a lot of us. So that is something that I had to grasp. Jesus was leading me in that direction for so long. He had kept he kept me from going straight too far when I would start to get in my mind. I would start to get in my mind that, you know, I could never have a relationship without belie- without seeing it in a sexual manner. Not a really, I couldn't. No relationship could exist without seeing it in a sexual manner. I started to get that in my mind that love is sex. That love is, you know. These sexual feelings, sexual immorality is love. And Jesus kept me from that. He kept me and he showed me what he was keeping me from. And I said, Jesus, people really, you know, get so caught up in that that they can't discern a difference. And he said, yes, and this is what I'm keeping you from. You need to be careful. And I'm so glad that he kept me from that. Because this thing will start to take over your mind. Satan will start to encamp you so much and encamp your mind and torture you so much and lead you down a road, possess you into believing that having sex with your family members, having sex with your own children even, having sex with men, women alike, that there's nothing wrong with it. Orgies, having sex with a whole bunch of people at once. You know, just never having any boundaries with sex. Satan will start to make you believe that that is okay, that that is love. That sex is love or sex is better than love or equivalent to love or that you can have sex and no love, you know, but never love with no sex. You know, this is when everything that someone does says, or behaves in a certain manner of, you will start to believe that it is related to sex. You cannot, it's a perverted mindset. You cannot take your mind off of it. A lot of men are out here with this mindset. So you know that Satan is attacking them especially, but there are a lot of women too, and children are growing up on these mindsets, values, you know, experiencing this, being exposed to this, and they're being perverted down the wrong direction. They think it's funny. They think it's not a big deal. They think that it's possibly cute or that nothing is wrong with it. Or they think that nothing comes of it. Or that our Father in Heaven is not angered by this. He is angered by this. Very, I know He is. Because He keeps me and He hugs me. Jesus hugs me. When I, see, when I see this, because he knows there's something inside of me that wants to break. He won't let me break. He said instead of allowing me to break and shatter into a million pieces, he's going to start to put the pieces back together. He's going to heal me and make me whole again. I won't be going down that route. I will be going... I will not only be not going down that route, I'll be going in the direction he is intending for me to go, avoiding that route altogether. That's how blessed and, and that's how I'm being kept. And a lot of people may feel as if there's something I'm missing out on or that that's not a big thing to have been protected from. Or that after all I've gone through, you know, what big deal is that's not a big deal, it's not that serious. But I believe that later on they will understand if that be God's will, if my prayers are answered. When my prayers are answered, later on they will understand. But if you never are brought to understanding of how severe that mindset can be, how perverted Satan truly is, and how much he has a hold on your life, your feelings, your mind, when you believe that these different things are okay, If you never come out of that understanding, you know, I feel bad for you. I'm supposed to feel bad for you. 
I don't feel bad for you because I'm supposed to. But I feel bad for you. Because never knowing you were ignorant is the worst consequence of it, of, of all. The worst consequence is not actually having to feel hurt or pain or, you know, other forms of consequences for what you've done. But the worst consequence is seemingly no consequence of, at all, which is never having learned the lesson for what you've gone through, never having learned from it. Never growing from it. Never progressing past it. That's the worst consequence you could ever get. If God says, I won't even touch you. I will leave you where you at. That's the worst consequence you can ever have. Ever. When your parent loves you. They reprimand you. They teach you what is right. But if your parent says, I won't even bother to teach you what's right. I'm going to just leave you where you at. Because you're not even worth knowing the difference. That is the worst consequence you could ever get. But I don't ever want you to feel as if God feels as if you're not worth knowing the difference. He knows that you are worth knowing the difference. But that is his consequence to you. The Bible says that God sometimes determines that the consequences of sin are the consequences of sin. He will leave you in your sin. I'll just leave you to it. Oh, you think you're getting away with it? Oftentimes we have the mindset. We feel like, well, if I get away with it, why would I care? If I get away with it, why would I go to, you know, God about it? I got away with it. If I got a, if I get away with it, you know, I'm good. I don't care about nothing. I don't have to learn a lesson. I don't need to look back on it. I don't need to... Know what would have happened, what could have happened, any of those things. I don't care. I got away with it. That's all I care about. You know, I'm, I feel good with that. I'm all right. I'm be okay. You know, a lot of us feel that way or have felt that way before. And you don't understand that if you are never reprimanded or never brought to an understanding of the consequences of your actions, that's horrible. Because imagine being sick and never knowing you're sick. Imagine being, you know, hindered, delayed, or stopped from becoming a better version of yourself and never even knowing the cure. Oftentimes we we come to a better understanding of things and we're like, where has this been my whole life? Why did it take me so long to get to this understanding? Or how come God didn't provide this sooner? Imagine never being brought to that understand that understanding. Oftentimes we want to blame God. We want to say, God, it's not fair. Other people were provided this information. Other people been had this. Other people been had this lifestyle. Other people been had opportunity to know these different things. When it comes to me, I wasn't provided these things. It's not fair. They're at an unfair advantage. I'm at an unfair disadvantage. That's what I mean. What if you never got the information? How unfair would that be? So that's what I think about nowadays. At least God is showing me this stuff. At least he's opening my eyes and waking me up to these things. At least he feels that it's, I'm worthy to bestow this truth on. To place this deeper understanding and this responsibility and this power and this trust and this knowledge into. He trusts me with this stuff. At least he trusts me with it. People laugh at me. They've laughed at me my whole life. They said, you want to be white. You always want to use big words. You know, you think you're doing something and you're not. You think this stuff matter? Like it's, you just, you, you talk about this stuff or you do this stuff in order to distract yourself from what you're not. You know, prevailing in like being popular or being accepted or being cute or people wanting you or wanting you around or inviting you to stuff. So you do this stuff to make up for that. And then when someone calls you out on it, you want to bring that up to change the subject. No, no, 
the fact of the matter is that's what a small mind will will fool you into believing that when someone else doesn't think like you, they're missing out. But the fact of the matter is we're drawn to what we know or what we want to know or what we're, you know, destined to know. So if I go this direction, that's because that's where I want to be. That's who I am, whether it's good or it's bad. It's not because, and it's not always the case, but that's not because I couldn't be you. It's because I'm being me. And because I'm not a follower, I'll suffer for it. I've been suffering for it, but this is who I am. It's who I'm made to be. And I see that it's all coming together and making sense because God did it all for a reason. He's making my life make sense. So, with that being said, you know, he's validating years of having to deal with that. And I still do have to deal with it. Not only do I have to continuously deal with that, since my world is expanding, I'm meeting more people, which I knew that I would. And it feels like I have to face my fears in that in that area. I've met and have and have been meeting more people, or at least been exposed to more people who share that same view on life. And it feels as if maybe they have even attached themselves to me, hoping to hinder my future. But I think that God is proving that he placed me around these situations my whole life in order to prepare me and train me up to be able to beat them in order to get my goal. If God placed you in a situation and you learn how to overcome it already 10 years before you actually need it to overcome something, you're at an advantage when it's your time to shine. This is the obstacle. Oh, I've been dealing with that my whole life. That's a piece of cake. It's more challenging. We have to face or deal with something you've never dealt with before. So that shouldn't be an issue or a problem. But at the same time, wanting to acknowledge that sometimes what you've always dealt with is the hardest to overcome. Because sometimes it's hard for you to see your worth and whether you feel as if you deserve a life without that type of treatment. But you do. And it's not still around or still plaguing your life because it's meant to stay, but because it's meant to go. So I'm seeing that. But on the other hand, the challenges in life that I knew that I would one day experience despite everything that I had been experienced, the, the old, the new. These challenges, things I haven't experienced, things I have to find my way around, new things, they excite me actually. I'm eager to learn about these things. I'm eager to conquer these new battles. I don't want to give up. I'm working hard, really. But oftentimes I'm discouraged, feeling as if I can never come out of the old or the new. Like the old will always be somehow, you know, mixing in with my new, you know, dirtying it up. I'm done with you, like. Like, why can't I get rid of you? I don't want you here forever because it it depresses me. It makes me feel as if I'll never be able to beat this battle when I know I will. So why does it feel like the old is lingering around? Well, that is part of what God is doing and what I'm learning in this season. I see, you know, he's showing me the process of pruning these different things out. Just like the wheat and the tares. They said, Jesus... Should we weed them out, excuse me, the weed, the weeds, but the wheat in the terrace, should we weed them out right now? Jesus said, no, it's going to come a time where I'm going to pull them all up together and then we will sort them. Because if we pull out the weeds right now, we may prevent some of the wheat from growing to its full potential. So God is not going to prune them right now. 
He's going to wait till this time. He's going to pour everybody out and then separate y'all. Because even Satan knows if I can get God to pull you up right now before you're ready, before you're fully, you know, developed. You know, if I can get him to pull you up because of this, these weeds I've planted because of these hindrances I've attached to you. I will be able to prevent you from getting to your full potential because of something that never was meant to ever go past or ever be more than what it is. Just a weed. So, God sees that. And so he's patient. The Bible says he is patient so that all may be brought to repentance. He is not slow in keeping his promise, but patient so that all may be brought to repentance. This is something that, this is something that's been running through my mind constantly for the past about three weeks. No, more, but, you know, specifically longer, like, like just like nonstop for the past three weeks. The wheat and the tares. Because all I keep hearing is, why don't you just do it? You're suffering. Why not just do it? Why not just do it? Like you're dragging it out. You're making it harder on yourself. And I keep telling myself, you know, as much as I really wish it, I could get it done right now. And as as much problems or issues or pain I feel as if I would avoid if I could do it right now, why wouldn't I just do it? And so I had to come to the conclusion that if it were meant to be done right now, it would. God's timing is perfect and he does not make any mistakes. He is perfect. So what does that mean? That means see what he's trying to get you to see. And the only thing he could possibly be trying to get me to see is that if it's something that really needs to be going and you know it's not going to stay, he's not doing it right now. There's a time that he's going to do it. And then I, I realize the scripture, the wheat and the tares explains this. He knows there are weeds. He knows they don't belong there, but he's not going to prevent your progress, your full potential being made in order to remove them right now. That's what Satan wants. So a little bit of my experiences to support this is I was worshiping after the deliverance. And even though they said the prophecy had been fulfilled, how can that be so? When, you know, God has already shown me that I will know when it's over. I will know when it's done. And it, it's not done. So I kept fighting and I kept praying. And in the process, what I heard Jesus say to me was, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. They are trying to rush the rapture. They're trying to rush the rapture. I said rush the rapture. That doesn't make any sense. Because only God knows the day and the hour. And God's timing is perfect. There's no way that Satan can rush the rapture. He says exactly. But that is what they are trying to do. So do not worry. Do not worry. And they were rushing me. I was fighting and worshiping and begging God to come now. Come now, God. Help me now. And he was fighting for me to get this done. And they were fighting me. They were fighting everything that I was doing. But when it came down to it, he said no to them. I I heard him multiple times tell them, tell them, you think that you can control me through her. I love my child. I love my child. Like he said, I love my daughter. And I will do anything for her. But you do not control me through her. You are not fooling me. You are not fooling me. So as I'm suffering and trying to figure out what I'm going through. What he's exposing to me is that. they Satan thinks he is slick. He's told himself, I can control God because he loves her so much. So he's trying to force you and torture you into, you know, pressuring me to do something that it's not time for. He won't win. 
He won't win. So this is about the wheat and the tares. Satan thinks about, you know, making weeds sprout up where you need to progress and grow and be brought to your full potential that he can somehow rush Jesus into yanking those weeds out the way in order to prevent from choking you out. And in the process, keep you from your destiny, your full growth. But Jesus already has it covered. He says, you won't rush me. You won't control me. You won't play me or trick me. You cannot play me or trick me into preventing my child's full growth or potential. I'll pull you out when you're done growing, when they're done growing. Until then, you just have to choke them. And so we believe that Jesus doesn't love us when we're choking. He loves us. He sees us. He knows we'll be okay. He's watching our growth. He's making sure we get to it. And when it's time, he'll separate. They won't be with us forever. This problem, these issues, these hindrances, these setbacks, and these things that do not belong with you that are not you, that aren't a part of you, they will not be with you forever. Even though it seems as if you are suffering because you are choking. It's okay. Because you're still going to grow to your full potential. You'll grow around these weeds. You'll get stronger. You'll, learn, you'll get stronger in the process learning how to grow past the choking. Grow past the hindering, the setbacks, you know, the delay. You'll get stronger. You'll grow to your full potential regardless because of God and he's made you strong enough and he believes in you. And then when it's time, he'll separate you and you'll be amongst your own. Where you're destined to be and Satan will never be able to stop that destiny. And the only possible way he'll be, he could ever have stopped it is to get Jesus to pull you up before you're ready. Jesus won't do it. So grow past it, know that you will, embrace your full potential, know that you'll get to your destiny and that Satan cannot stop your destiny and if you are being choked, endure. That's what it's about, it's about enduring past that. It's about being stronger. And I know what it's like to feel choked. I know what it's like to feel as if these weeds will have prevented you from you know, feeling like they need to be pulled now. You know, they're they're just causing too much harm. But they would never cause enough harm to keep you from your destiny. So pull past this. So I'm seeing that. I'm loving all that God is, is, is turning me into, all that he is, you know, raising me up to be, all that he is. You know, all the power he's placed inside of me and, and how it is manifesting. And I'm tr- being transformed into the woman of God that I've always wanted to be. I love how he's doing this. I love how he's elevating me. I trust him more and more with every single move in my life that he's doing. Everything he's showing me. He's just speaking to me. I'm learning to control negative thoughts. Prayers are being answered from 10 plus years ago. He's answering them all. I realize I'm living a miracle right now. And I keep getting embraced where you are. Be grateful for what you have. Do not miss these wonderful moments. And these wonderful things that God has bestowed upon you. Too busy wishing for what you will one day have. You'll have it. Embrace what you have now. Be grateful for what you have now. And trust that one day you'll have what you're meant to have. This is what it's about. You know. Embrace every season. Every season that you have to go through. Before you're fully grown. And you're plucked. So this also reminds me of, it feels like Jesus saying, I have 31 years of purpose. And imagine me spending my entire 31 years of purpose so focused on, you know, the next 
accomplishment to the point where I cannot embrace each and every single last move that God is making in my life. If I'm so focused on the next accomplishment, I won't embrace the, what he's accomplishing through and in me right now. I look back on what he's exposing to me that he's placed inside of me that is paying off from 10 years ago. And I feel that I've embra- I embraced it not possibly as much as I could have embraced it. But I embraced it as much as who I am and who I've been allowed me to allow me to. I could do better, but that's who I am. So it's also it's also a test of the fact that Jesus will never allow anything or anyone around you to keep you or prevent you from the progress that you are meant to make. If you're not making progress, it's all up to you. So you will make progress no matter what. If that is what you are truly working towards or intending to do. So no one can stop that. The weeds can't stop your progress. Know that. Don't stay hung up on the possibility of them keeping you from progress. The possibility of them keeping you from, you know, where you're meant to be. No matter what happens, no matter how bad it looks or seems, know that you are exactly where you are meant to be. And headed in the direction you are destined to go in no matter what. No matter who, no matter what it seems like. No matter what it looks like. No matter how hard or good or distant or whatever. Or exactly where you're destined to be, it takes a load off your shoulders when you accept that. Because the more you believe, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to be here. I missed out on this, I messed up on that. This is going right. This this looks a mess. I've done this wrong. I'm messing this up. Everyone's talking about that. And it's like, you are exactly where you're destined to be. Headed exactly where you're destined to go. And nothing or no one can stop that. No matter what. It's just better. It's better. Remind yourself that as many times you have to, as you need to in order for you to accept it. Don't remind yourself like you you have to know that. But remind yourself in a way that you want to make it a natural reminder to the point. You don't have to remind yourself of that no more. You're living it. You're being it. You are it. You know it. So, until it becomes habit, because the fact of the matter is, you know, oftentimes Satan will always want you caught up on things that you're not doing or things that you should have or want to have or want to be. And keeping you from embracing everything that you have and are right now. But the fact of the matter is, you know, you're good. You have it. You know, whatever you didn't get, whatever you didn't do, whatever isn't working, wasn't meant to. I can't even stress how many times I've had to remind myself that a day lately. Like, no, don't stress about that. Nope, don't even be caught up on that. Don't spend another second on that thought. Because the fact of the matter is, nothing is happening for no reason. If you missed it, it wasn't meant for you. You can't miss nothing that's for you. You can't miss nothing you're meant to have. Satan wants you to say, oh, you missed it. Oh, you should regret that. Oh, you should spend however long it takes you to figure out everything that you did leading up to that point and what got you here. And you know what? I even been somehow catering to that idea by thinking like when you go to jail what do they say when you when you get put in time off for consequences what do they tell you they say sit there and think about what you've done but i feel as if right now the advice is the opposite you know of course think about what you've done 
Do everything that you can to learn from your situation. Do everything that you can to be made better and understand the consequences of your situation and why you deserve them. And think about, you know, taking preventative measures to never end up in that place again, but never sit up there lingering or caught up on what you did wrong. You can't change it. You can't change it. You did it. One thing that God has told me at a young age, never regret a thing. I don't regret nothing. I'm fully grateful for everything I've been through because it made me who I am today. And the fact of the matter is I wouldn't go back and change nothing. As many times I asked to be able to get a time machine, I wouldn't change a thing. So God take regret from you. That's one of the greatest spiritual gifts he could ever bestow upon you. Along with worry, no more worry, and along with forgiveness. It also helps with no regret. So, embrace it. Don't sit up there caught up on what you did wrong too long. Only enough to prevent yourself from going down that road again and making the same mistakes. Live your life and be happy for the decisions that you made. And don't don't feel like you have to. Don't feel like you have to, you know. Don't let Satan trick you into lingering on something that's gone, past and gone too long. Don't linger because oftentimes you can know that I don't even regret what I've done. Or you can even know that I'm not worried about it. Or you can even know that you forgive whoever, but you're still lingering. You're still worried about it. You're still thinking about it. You're not letting go. So remind yourself, if it's gone, it's past, there's nothing I can do to change it, even if the consequences of the situation are still something I'm sitting in and have to deal with for however long moving forward. It doesn't matter or change the fact that everything happens for a reason and I'm exactly where I need to be right now. That's the, that's the fact. The fact is, it happened. You can't take it back. You can't regret it. You are where you are. You're exactly where you are intended to be. And you're headed exactly where you're intended to go. So, yes, keep a mindset that you have to learn from it. Don't think, oh, it doesn't matter what I did. It matters. But also at the same time, you know, understanding how it matters. It matters moving forward and doing everything that you can to not make the same mistake, but also not beating yourself up into believing that somehow you are not capable of embracing where you are, embracing what you have, being grateful for what you've learned from it because of what you've done. So that's something that I'm reminding myself is difficult because it takes discernment when you really get you know, on a certain level, when you're getting to a certain place, where you're fighting certain demons, it takes discernment. Satan gets really crafty. He starts to make it harder for you to discern, you know, the difference between things you already know. Simple lessons, you life lessons you've already learned. And... You know, what you're going through right now, like it feels as if when you're actually experiencing it or in the shoes, uh, in, in those shoes is different than just the advice that you get. But trust it. Trust God. Let him guide your works.